Welcome to Sportin' Live. Introducing your host, Ed Draper. Hello, welcome along to the podcast, Sport and Life. How are you doing? Ed Draper here, sports broadcaster in the UK. Thank you for hitting on the button. Hope you're well, having a good week so far. Uh, thank you to the sponsors as ever as well, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations regarding the customer service always note that that kind of sister company serene av through jason briggs uh, fine leadership will direct you to whatever home entertainment system audio equipment whatever you're looking for in terms of your budget and your needs not just bang olufsen's world-renowned equipment which you can see on display in the bang olufsen cheltenham store in the courtyard in montpellier the french region of uh, this town where i live in the west of england so thank you to Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV for their continued support. Thank you also to Cytoplan for their ongoing association with the podcast. Food-based supplement company, house not far from here, beautiful village called Hanley Swan as you approach Malvern Hills again in the west of England. But above and beyond that, we believe in the supplements as a family. have been taking them for 20 plus years under the stewardship of my father, Dr. Mark Draper. And through this uh, association with the podcast, we can offer you the discount that we have because I always stress that we do pay for the supplements, which I think underscores our belief in them and a discounted rate, which we can largely share with you 30% on your first purchase, 10% thereafter with a discount code at checkout, Draper 10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals one zero and the capital letter R. Always stress uh, that... Um, it's cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. And there's a range of holistic supplements or bespoke supplements like vitamin D3, whatever you're looking for, check it out there. And also a new venture that I've been exploring with my wife called Attic Box Audio. Always try and mention it on the podcast now, which has been fantastic actually chatting to regular members of the public about their life stories in high quality audio in their house or we can arrange a studio and we're prefer preferably sort of looking at doing this in the Cheltenham area west of England 25 mile radius or so but we can look at doing it on zoom teams you know, those uh, remote options but I always think these conversations are really good in person trying to get people's life stories teasing out those details for future generations to celebrate to connect generations and I think to learn things about our loved ones certainly it's a project we started in lockdown interviewing our family members spurred by the thought we had a little bit of time in that surreal period that we were in to reflect on grandparents that we'd lost and, and wanting to hear their perspective on what was going on, particularly those who had lived through the Second World War, how they'd compare it in terms of the experience and the feelings associated with it. But just great opportunity to speak to people, document their lives. And we found out a lot about our families and, and doing so through other people's life stories as well. So check it out, atticboxaudio.co.uk, A-T-T-I-C-B-O-X audio audio.co.uk it's affiliated to uh, draper media the website which houses the podcast as well so thank you for for being here and uh, let's get on to a conversation actually which might be of interest to you giving my background to a podcast called cheap heat podcast hosted by morris 
and it's where he goes into exploring my background, studying in the United States, growing up in England, going to do my master's in journalism in Ohio, baptism of fire there, covering American sports, and just the kind of reflections on learning the craft, the fickle nature of it, people giving you opportunities on radio or TV or not. So hopefully it's a, an interesting conversation. Here it is, uh, my appearance on the Cheap Heat podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Okay, welcome back to the show. And I've got a familiar face off the TV screens today. It's Mr. Ed Draper that you recognize from Sky News and Sky Sports News. How are you doing today, man? Hi, Morris. I'm well. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Yeah, good, man. It was really, uh, really nice of you to take the time out today. I know you're a busy guy, so absolutely appreciate it. No, no, no worries. I'm hopefully live up to the uh, the audience's expectations. I know I was looking. You've got a lot of old wrestlers and people like that on, so probably my uh, my patter may not be as as dramatic as those guys. But yeah, good to be here. <laughs> They've all got mad stories. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Well, I was a yeah, I was a WWE fan obviously as a kid. Um, WWF it was when it first started, wasn't it? And then it became WWE yeah. with the the World Wildlife Foundation controversy. But yeah, Hulk Hogan, The Rock, people like that. We used to play you know kind of people's elbow and stuff at home with my brothers one of four boys so yeah I was kind yeah. of a, a wrestling fan in the in the 90s and early noughties did you ever get to meet any of those guys I know Sky don't cover the the wrestling anymore think, it's on BT Sport John, now I think I think John Cena came into Sky Sports News once but I'm not sure I actually got to meet him I can't remember because we were ha obviously had the wrestling I don't think we, ha we don't have the wrestling anymore do we so I don't know um, no BT BT yeah so we're not at the moment we're probably uh forsworn from from doing it but uh yeah i think they probably have been in the building before but yeah i don't think i mean obviously some of the legends were from my time aren't necessarily in there they, they have those kind of repeat appearances don't they I know the rock went back and stuff like that but uh yeah, yeah I, I went to dallas I, I went to dallas last month for wrestlemania and oh, with cool. a couple of friends of mine and steve austin came back for the first time in uh, 19 years whoa so. he's in good shape yeah. as well isn't he still steve austin i think yeah he's 57 but he he looked good anyway you know we're in a yeah. stadium there, 78,000, Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Um, like once in a lifetime kind of experience, really. I've never been at a sporting event that big. Yeah. And what they, I guess, in a way, people sort of frown upon the, the sort of choreographed nature, but actually what they do athletically is pretty amazing, especially when they get in their 40s and 50s, you know, total appreciation. As you get yeah. older and you get injured, you realize how, how much they put their bodies through. Yeah, people are always saying, oh, but it's fake and everything like that. But I just say, look, it's a TV show and I enjoy this TV show. And that's that's going to yeah, end the conversation yeah. then. But they put their uh, bodies, the film, The Wrestler, is awesome, isn't it? I mean, they put their bodies through the ringer. So it's it's just a kind of, that was a great insight with Mickey Rourke in that film. Yeah, accidents can happen. And that's when the serious injuries occur then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. massively. Just a, a bit about yourself anyway. How did your journey into this broadcasting world begin? Well, I think as, as a lot of sports journalists, I wanted to be a, a sportsman as a, a kid. I wanted to play football particularly. Um, but when that dream started to sort of maybe become unrealistic when I was a teenager, I started to think about um, what I enjoyed in, in English literature and sport PE were my favourite subjects at school. So I kind of thought that loosely sports journalism and in those days in the 90s, it was probably mainly thinking about being a, a journalist in a, in a newspaper because until I was 16, Sky Sports News didn't even exist where I ended up working now. And then when that came about, I thought, oh, but that might be quite cool to to do. But suddenly all these outlets started to, I guess, proliferate when I was a, a kid. So I, I started to think, well, what do I do? I did English and PE at A-level. I went to Loughborough after that to do English and, and sports science all the time, playing football, played a little bit um, semi-pro in my hometown of Malvern for, for Malvern Town and, and played at university at Loughborough. 
up to the second team, which there was like seven at Loughborough because it's a sports duty. So it was uh, it was a competitive place. And I coached football as well at that time, but I was doing bits for the student magazine and I'd done work experience at Men's Health magazine and other newspapers, my local papers and stuff. And then I was coaching football in the summers in America. And someone said to me, if you want to be a sports journalist, you should check out this, this program at a place called Ohio University, which is in the southeast of the state of Ohio. It was actually founded in the early 19th century. Bizarrely, it was one of the sort of first places founded in the expansion and the university was started there early and they had a good journalism school called the Scripps School of Journalism. So after I did my undergrad at Loughborough, I applied and luckily got into this journalism program. And when I was there in Ohio, it was a, it was a baptism of fire because I was trying to cover American sports when I was working for like local TV, local radio, local newspapers and not having a clue what I was doing, trying to do American football <laughs> highlights as a reporter and stuff was was a real real crack um but then after 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 that i sort of came back to the uk and worked in local bbc radio and just worked my way up but because i'd been in that environment it was at the time and it's probably changed because the media's changed in the last 15 16 years but at that time there was a local tv station local radio so i was you know one time i did a play-by-play commentary of baseball which people were cracking up because you know that the transistor radios in those days just coming up and thought it was hilarious that this english guy was was doing baseball play-by-play but it was yeah really good education and i came back and, and did bbc local radio had started it then it started at absolute radio which was, at the time was virgin radio became absolute radio doing the sport on the morning breakfast show the christian o'connell breakfast show and sort of simultaneously i was doing bulletins for this online random studio in victoria in central london that was like a broom cupboard but we were doing sort of sports bulletins for a few websites including football365.com and teamtalk.com and then that was bought by Sky. Then I came into the Sky kind of culture and became a reporter and presenter there, did the digital stuff, the online stuff, but then did the presentation for Sky News, Sky News Sport originally, and then eventually Sky Sports News. But in the meantime, it also worked as a reporter on boxing and rugby. And yeah, that's where the journey sort of went. And then since uh, 2014, we're doing Sky Sports News. And in that time, spent three years really fun years actually hosting the boxing podcast at, at sky sports news which is where i kind of really got into podcasts we had one at absolute radio back in 2009 but it was more of a newsy thing but then with the boxing one you kind of really realized the platform in terms of just long-form conversation which is different than the media when you're on tv because you have that those sort of advert junctions commercial junctions coming up that you always feel pressured by it's not not much time to breathe so yeah really embraced it, the boxing podcast and then um, started my own podcast in 2018 like, like you've done here so I just yeah just all kind of multimedia but I suppose it's just doing lots of stuff for free early on and then you work your way in and get opportunities and you just you just flow where the, the kind of opportunities come and uh, and obviously Sky has, has been there now it feels like a kind of established broadcaster because it's been there for 30 plus years but when I was a kid it was a new a new thing but there's so many different platforms in in sports media up and coming that it's it's been really exciting to watch it all unfold over the last 15 years yeah and what prior interest in sports did you have before going in like what's your favorite sports for example well i think as a kid I, from apparently from you know from walking i was kicking a football so i loved that my dad's a welshman from abergavenny so he went to cardiff arms park as a kid so i was always uh, enjoyed rugby played rugby at school as well um was a football yeah football aficionado i think just because the fact you could play it in your own garden and stuff on your own was a bit easier than tossing a rugby ball around. I was a big boxing fan as a kid, never actually boxed, never trained really. Um, but yeah, enjoyed enjoyed that sport. Watched a bit of the uh, the wrestling, as you say, as a, as a kid, enjoyed, yeah. enjoyed, enjoyed WWE. 
I wouldn't say that I disliked any sport per se. I've never been an expert. I've done. I've actually presented for Matchroom, the World Cup of Pool on Sky, but I've never been necessarily like an expert in the in the parlor sports per se, like you know snooker and and, mm -hmm. and pool and and darts and things like that. But obviously, you appreciate. Once, I think once you get into anything and you sort of spend a bit of time and attention on it, you get to embrace it because you've always got people performing at a high level and you embrace their enthusiasm and and everything so I, d I don't think there's any sports I dislike I'm you know being in the states I've got appreciation of American football day out of baseball is a is a really cool thing a bit like a day at cricket really it's you know where people spend a lot of time drinking and, and having fun and not <laughs> worrying too much about the result because I think in baseball it's 163 games a year or something so they're not hanging on every result until it gets to the yeah. the world series or whatever so it's um that, that yeah I think I, I like all sports they're sort of a that sort of distillation of of passion and time and effort that people put into it but also it matters but it it doesn't matter doesn't it which i think in the in the world i've i had a bit of dalliance with hard news at times working at radio stations and was never a massive fan of that because it's usually bad news isn't it that, that hard yeah. news is covering the you know, deaths and disasters and things so for me sports always been great that people really care about it but then it it matters but it doesn't matter i think there's that duality to it which is cool Sport has such a quick turnaround. Like you see, for example, Man City last week, they lost the Champions League semi final, and yeah. then Liverpool go and drop points and they win 5 0, and now everything. Like it can just swing so fast, can't it? Yeah, it can. It can, the emotion. I mean, you sort of realize actually how some supporters are kind of locked in that in that sort of period of, of defeat or glory. And I think for Man City fans, certainly it's, yeah, incredible, you know, rise that they're potentially going to win four titles in five seasons. From where they were in in the third tier of, of english football i think that's cool actually coming back from the states that don't get me wrong i think there's a lot of security for fans in the states but in a sense they've moved the franchises around the country so they can up and you know leave brooklyn and go to los angeles the dodgers or whatever that or you know back in the mm -hmm. day and and then move american football teams baseball teams around whereas in the uk there's that, that and in ireland as well i get that kind of locality that importance of, of geography but that potential to yeah, to, to go on the rise and then that potential to to fall away. Like, it's amazing that Oldham Athletic went out of the football league, so they're out of the top four leagues in England this this uh, past season. And they were a Premier League team, top division team when I was a kid playing, I remember against Manchester United, the team I supported in the FA Cup semi-finals in, in 1994. So, yeah, you're right that you can have those week-on-week -week ups and downs and then you can have those kind of like periods of eras where you, things are going well or not going so well, obviously. As a Manchester United fan, things have uh, have struggled a little bit relatively over the last yeah. ten years. But then you're reminded that other teams have got a lot bigger struggles. Yeah, the, the problem there seems to be definitely internal in the dressing room. Like I think the manager, yeah. the new manager, has got a, a massive job to do, hasn't he? Yeah, it's really interesting as a fan and a journalist actually when you cover sport over a long time. Is like what are the ingredients that that galvanise success and with Sir Alex Ferguson, obviously, that we sort of retrospectively say it was this or it was that, and it's, it's hard to know, but it definitely seems like the place as a whole had a, a lot better morale, a lot better momentum to it, direction. It just feels like things are a little bit lost. And I don't know, people say that comes from the ownership because maybe the motivation of the owners isn't necessary to win because actually winning is quite expensive. It's to just finish at a certain level. And maybe if you don't have that desire to just target victory, if you're looking at top four finish or whatever, maybe it, it affects the the spirit of the place. But yeah, it's just the well, the most recent performance was the four 0 loss to Brighton at the weekend, and yeah, you kind of have to laugh a little bit because it was just like walking football. Some of the the player just seemed like, and I'm sure you know these are professionals. They go into their workplace. I'm sure they're they're trying, but it just looked like they were so flat and and deflated and and lackluster. It's it's amazing, really. 
Yeah, I think I, I do enjoy watching our fellow countryman Roy Keane on when he's when he's on Sky oh, yeah. because he, he Roy doesn't pull any punches. He just says it as it is. You know, he's kind of like uh, one of those pundits. Like it's it's great that Sky have them, but um, he'll just say it as it is, no matter what. Yeah. He'll say the things that people are kind of afraid to say, and it's it's good for you guys in terms of views and yeah, viral yeah, stuff yeah. with Keane and as well. He was, <laughs> he was an uncompromising player, wasn't he? The thing is, people say, "Oh, you can't have players like that now," but actually. You look at what Atletico Madrid did to Man City in the Champions League and City got past them, but they did, you know, they're full of tenacity. People didn't like it. They thought it was ugly, but you can play with a certain ferocity that it, within the rules, it's not as easy to do certain tackles as it used to be in, in football. But yeah, Roy Keane is a throwback to that, that era. But, you know, that, I think that's some of those intangibles you talk about with him is, yes, he was a good tackler, but he also was a great passer and, and, and kept the energy in that team and just the direction and focus of that team. And you think about some of the United greats, be it Cantona, Hughes, um, Beckham, Scholes, Ince, these people, they, what they had was a, a sort of energy and a sort of desire. And I think modern football in particular, because of the riches that have come, you know, people have said from the outside, I know players from that era like Peter Schmeichel have said, it's a different thing now because your motivation isn't to make it and to feed your family. Your motivation now is is more about skill and, and, and sort of success because actually a lot of these guys are millionaires by the age of you know 21 22 so the motivation perhaps has to be different but that's what yeah, you do miss if you, you've got that nostalgia is that desire and that passion which you see at city don't you people like the bruyne mm. uh, rodri in that midfield they're, they're still in a different way but very high intensity very pressuring they won that five nil game of the weekend and from the start they were just all over newcastle which is kind of what you want is that is that passion i suppose mm. Do you ever see the bubble bursting in football with the money? Because the amount of money that's thrown into it, the crazy wages and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I thought maybe maybe during COVID, I thought things might just settle down a bit. But we're going to have like probably a 200 million euro player probably soon. Mm. Well, but yeah, and Neymar wasn't even that far off, was he, when he went yeah. to Paris Saint-Germain? But I think... It's a good question because everyone says every empire rises and falls. That eventually, like the Romans, probably thought they were, you know, flying high for, and they were for centuries. But then it eventually fell apart. Um, and what does the football empire, the Premier League empire, does it come to an end? It's it's a good question. I think if you look at say Sky Sports perspective, I think domestic television rights. And I don't want to speak too soon. I don't know what's happened there, but they've plateaued to a certain extent. So the market is relatively saturated in terms of what people will pay in this country for subscriptions and what Sky and BT can afford to pay then. And, and Amazon and whoever else competes for the rights, what they can afford to pay on a business basis for the rights. But I suppose the argument is the Premier League still expanding globally and internationally, and those rights are what they've said have, have fueled it. So that mo there's more money coming in from that for the for the clubs. I think it, you'd imagine it would steady just because of the, the economic situation for the country at the moment, right? Recession, inflation, yeah, and the fact that people have got less money. You can't see ticket prices going up you can't see subscriptions going up massively just because people can't afford it so i don't know whether the fees are going to go up and again that depends on i suppose the global economic picture which depends where you are doesn't it i think china's done quite well economically i suppose relatively yeah. over the past couple of years and maybe other places are, are, are struggling more so it's interesting to see see how that goes but i suppose everything does have a, a rise and fall doesn't it it's it's interesting would another sport be as popular as as football globally because living in the states obviously it's a different paradigm there it's where soccer is popular a lot of kids play i think it's the biggest participation sport but in terms of fandom doesn't generate although the mls is growing it doesn't generate as much as much spectator interest and as much money but you know whether whether 
football globally could be replaced by another sport. It's, it's hard to, just because I think it's, it's so easy to play, isn't it? That's the thing with football. It's, yeah. You can go and put a cliche, a couple of jumpers or sweatshirts or whatever for goals and, and have a little game, two Off on two goal. or three on three. And it sort of, as a kid, it kind of infects you quite easily, whereas a lot of sports need a little bit more organisation and equipment. So, um yeah, I don't, I don't, it's interesting. What, what do you think it might you might go? Well, it's it's just listen to fans and people and yeah. seeing what people will get. I know that a lot of my friends potentially are interested in things like paper paper watch rather than subscriptions and stuff like that. So they pay on a daily basis. So it's interesting to see how it how it develops. Yeah, what is the main difference now in covering sports um, than like when you started? We'll say when you were sixteen. Because like if you if you watch Sky Sports News now, you kind of have to be tuned in with players' personal lives if there's something going on. If a player's in trouble, um, yeah, in the media or whatever, and if then then you have campaigns like uh, what was going on with the war, for example, LGBT yes. rights, Black Lives Matter, all that stuff. So there's a lot of kind of outside stuff coming into football and football is using it and sky are mm. using it to kind of broadcast the right message i suppose what's it like working in that environment yeah, that's a really good point actually morris the um the globalization of it has definitely brought stresses because obviously we have values in in the uk and, and ireland and and, and the quote-unquote west i suppose that other countries don't but with the success of the premier league you get interest from business people all over the world and then they come in and that they they sort of originate from countries that don't have the same values so homosexuality can be illegal no rights for women or, or very limited rights for women in certain countries so then you have to work out what do you do and we have to cover those stories cognizant that you know ua for fifa might send a world cup or a competition to a country which doesn't have so quote unquote human rights unilaterally across the board so you have to ask those questions i think sky sports news does a job of that and it's a fine balance isn't it because we have to promote these issues we have to document things like racism and, and but at the same time beware that people are coming to us often for entertainment not necessarily yeah. kind of education or or um or making it make the world seem too serious which is what the hard news channels do right it's hard you yeah. go and watch and it's you watch sky news and it, you, you don't necessarily it's not an uplifting experience so you think for sport is often that escapism as well so it's it's finding that that balance you know there's always a a challenge but that globalization even in boxing certain fights and that boxing's probably done it for years you know you think about the rumble in the jungle between ali and foreman in, in 74 took place in a really dubious dubious country in the background of a, a dictator and a genocide and things so it's pretty frightening so i think being cognizant of those issues reporting on that but also trying to make the overall production fun is is a challenge and sometimes it's a challenge now as well because you can be doing serious stories you know, football is looked back at child abuse within the game, things like that that's gone on. And then you're coming on to like a preview of the big title race game this weekend, which has to be more upbeat and sort of, yeah. it's, light, it's a lighter feeling. So as a presenter, I think there's yeah, a lot more nuance to it than perhaps that it, if it's just high energy, tub thumping, bigging games up. I think there is a sort of a, a, an appreciation now you really have to read ahead and think about what you, how you're going to deliver a story. And because there is a lot of, a lot of variation on a, spectrum of fun to a sort of really serious level yeah it's better i suppose than ignoring these issues and it's like one thing comes to mind i was watching uh tyson fury getting interviewed there a couple of weeks yeah. back uh by i think one of your colleagues and he said i'm not doing any more interviews for sky but that was a big story that that you know about as well with what was happening sure. in dubai and stuff like that but uh 
yeah, I, I don't think he handled it quite well, but he was always going to get no. asked those questions, you know, because the pressure is there. People want to know the answer to these things, whether it has anything to do with boxing, which it does if there's money coming in to yeah. the game from outside stuff. I think people, journalists have a right to ask those questions, really. Yeah, and I love boxing. It's, a bit, it's an interesting comparison now with MMA on the rise, things like the UFC, which have an existing governed body structure where they run everything and they give fights with boxing. Historically, going back you know, hundreds of years, there's been a, a tendency for, for sort of nefarious characters to get involved because of the fact that there's so many... It's a lack of... It's not a fixture list that's given out. Every fight that's made is complicated. Money has to be put up from here, there, everywhere. There's different promoters, different governing bodies, different, you know, world governing bodies, particularly the last 30 years. That's really proliferated. The number of belts, etc., available. So there's lots of voices in there. So I think it's less clear-cut. So there's more room for for people to, to perhaps have, have, have not the best backgrounds to get involved. So it's important to, to document to document that as much as you can. And I think, you know, to be fair to Tyson, he actually, that interview, he stayed for a bit and he, he did answer some questions, but it was, yeah. I think it's important. You just have to, you have to ask the questions, don't you? And I think that's the thing as a, a journalist and a presenter or reporter, or you just have to remember that you're there to have, to make people feel relatively comfortable in an interview, but you have to ask some tough questions as well. Sometimes I think to, for transparency and trying to get to the bottom of, of what, what's, what's going on necessarily. Yeah, we'll lift the mood a little bit. What's the funniest <laughs> thing that's happened when you were live on television? Is there any any Ed Draper blooper reels out there? Blooper reels? I don't know. If I I don't think some people have come back and vision they've been eating and stuff. I'm trying to think. Obviously, things <laughs> like mics not working or just people. There's been a few times when mics have been left on over pictures, and you think you've been talking to someone about like getting a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or whatever. You know, things like that, and actually luckily haven't you know sworn or anything not that, not that i f and jeff a lot but just uh yeah. just things like that that probably escape with i'm trying to think have I, I haven't fallen over or anything as as of yet um yeah i, I can't think of a, a massive blue i remember uh dan lobb would often be eating when people came back from breaks and that was before i worked on sky sports news i remember he'd be sort of have a donut in his mouth or something when they came back and and uh and things but it's uh no i can't think of of uh any huge one. I mean, I did actually the other day say to Leanne Sanderson was on watching a WSL Women's Super League game and I said to her, oh, thanks for watching. And I hadn't realised there was like still two minutes, of, there was like seven minutes of stoppage time because the game was behind me. I thought it had actually finished. So I was kind of like yeah. saying, see you later. And then we had to do one more hit with her. So it was a bit like, oh, it's, whoops. So just little yeah. things like that, I suppose. But thankfully, nothing, um, nothing too huge. Yeah. Do you have any dream role that's going, like, is there a role or a show that you'd like to present or be on? I think... In Sky now, because obviously, you know, the, the sports rights market is proliferated. So we've got BT has mainly the rugby. So that's gone from Sky. So it's a bit more nuanced. But I think within what we're doing, obviously, live football would be great to to present if you could do that. But I think the benchmark on Sky Sports News, I suppose, the person who's doing the, the sort of main gig on a Saturday, Jeff Stelling, is Soccer Saturday. That's sort of the benchmark for presenters because the volume of information yeah. he processes and, and does it with such grace and charm and humour it's that's a huge role model and even even if it's not that show he's i guess what he's doing there is a good benchmark because i often do sunday afternoons on sky three till six which is a kind of like soccer sunday we call it but it's like a soccer saturday light you've got slightly less games that we're covering european games from from france and, and holland and wherever wherever else they're, they're happening so there's that is a i think a, a great skill to aspire to in terms of that because oftentimes i think when you get into the media you think there's only few roles that actually when you're there, you have to maybe look at the skill set as opposed to like 
your goal is this position because it depends on variables like Jeff was going to retire and hasn't retired. I know that sort of Julian Warren yeah. was his his understudy at Sky, so potentially Jules was going to have that opportunity. And so there's, I think there's you're always waiting for people to retire or move. So I think just trying to focus on getting better is is a good a good goal. But yeah, I think live sport would be fantastic to be around as well. Live football. I did do uh, boxing hosting the world feed for Matchroom and zone before Matchroom split with Sky Sports. So that would be fantastic to do some more boxing events, things like that, where you're, you're live there and, and it's all kind of off the cuff and you're reacting to, to sport as it unfolds and, and trying to get the best analysis out of the pundits that you're working with is always a, a good challenge. Because sometimes in the studio at Sky Sports News, you do feel a little bit removed from the sport, you know, because you're working weekends when the sport's happening. So yeah, one of my favourite gotcha. things to do is get down to a local club on a, a Saturday that I've got off and, and watch Cheltenham Town in League One or something. You know, I just quite enjoy getting to sport when you can. What's it like? Because I know you were doing a couple of night shifts lately. What's it like kind of working through the night on uh, on Sky Sports News? It was a little bit of a secret. Not all of it's through the night. Some of it's recorded, so we don't stay like through through yeah. the night. But it's, yeah, because yeah. I, I I noticed before I was like he's uh, he's moving like because sometimes I just have the channel on and yeah. I'd say the news comes on at one a.m. and then it comes yeah. on at two a.m. and I was like that is the exact same or maybe he's just yeah. really good. So, what are you are you staying up or are you working shifts or you? Uh... No, I, I I might be just I might be staying up late and it could be on the background and I'm like that is the exact same. Yeah. Use the exact yeah. same sentence again. So you get no, little you breaks anyway. Yeah, you do, you do. But I think it is. Yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, early the other way around. You know, so whether you like going to bed late or getting up early. I mean, people for early shifts you get up at three in the morning or whatever. So at the moment, I'm never doing that switch around, which was always difficult. Even if you had a few days off in between to to get your body up at three when you're used to going to bed at like four or whatever. So it's, um, it's a, it's a challenge, but I think the, the thing about being on late, so if you come on at 10 o'clock at night, the nice thing is for me, that's quite an iconic time. Certainly going to college in the States, it was, you know, the uh, ESPN sports center at 10, I suppose news at 10 in the UK on ITV or whatever is a big, feels like a big slot. So I quite like you're rounding up the day. People switch, I switch over quite a lot when I'm at home and watch at that time of night. So I feel like being on, being on at that time is good. Particularly, I work on Tuesdays and Wednesdays often, so that's a nice after the Champions League games in the football seasons. Quite good because we don't have the rights to the Champions League, but people maybe who haven't watched it want to come and get an update on what's happened. So it's a good time of day to be. It's not it's not a great time of day necessarily to be at work, but you appreciate being there because everyone else there's a time that they watch. And you see what I mean? Like it, in a way, working a nine to five would be great as for for your social life, but as a sports broadcaster, not too much is happening at that, those times, like Monday to Friday, nine to five. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit about your website, Ed Draper Media, and what you've got going on there and your podcast? Yeah, Draper Media. Um, my wife's actually a graphic designer, Carla, and she's done a fantastic job putting that together. So it's just a, a website which details sort of what, what we're up to. And the, the uh, podcast is Sport and Life, which was born in 2018 off the back of doing the Sky Sports boxing podcast. Couldn't do any more. So originally it was a lot of fighters, just conversations that you realize that you don't always have pre-fight, last fight. You just get a conversation about their life, what boxing gave them, uh, footballers have had on there, and, and a lot of health and nutrition people actually more recently. <clears throat> because I, uh, excuse me, one second. <clears throat> there you go. Sorry about that. Uh, because, yeah, I, uh, because I hosted... Uh, children wellbeing festival like a few years ago in my local town and and i've got doctors on the back of that nutritionists fitness people personal trainers so that's sort of interest so it's called sport and life and it's available on itunes spotify i haven't done the video option yet but it's increasingly like i, th I don't know but a lot of people seem to consume podcasts video based do you do you find that do you put yours yeah video and video? i i i'm kind of 
YouTube based, I really kind of, yeah. I haven't done one without video. Like I like having that option because like, that's the way I like to watch them. I don't like kind of walking yeah. around, listening to them on Spotify. I'd rather just watch them on a laptop or on TV. Yeah. That's just I think me. People, no, people are different on that. I think, cause I've always listened to them when I'm driving on, you know, on the sort of the, the radio in the car or whatever. So that's how I've consumed them. So I think it's, but you have to be aware that people do it differently, but we've got that there. We've actually launched uh, something locally to us. Uh, which is very fledgling, but it's called Attic Box Audio, which is basically in lockdown, my wife and I were talking about sort of, I guess you had a bit of time on your hands, talking about missing yep. people and wanting to hear their voice again. So an idea that we had is to to speak to maybe typically older people that family members want to document their life. So it's a kind of life story service we do called Attic Box Audio, which is cool because I've got to speak to, we documented all our family, but then people in the, in the town as well of Cheltenham and the Cotswolds, and we can do it through Zoom, remotely but i guess that again is is establishing that rapport isn't it from a, a remote connection obviously you do it remotely i don't know if you do any in person or how you how you I've do that done, i've done a couple but i only started this kind of during lockdown so i think i've only done two in person one up in belfast and yeah. one in one in dublin did you enjoy that did you or was it more of yeah, a filming it yeah I'd, I'd, it's it, with with using this uh software it looks like i've got a studio in my house but like really like I'm, I'm only <laughs> upstairs now today because my kids are downstairs. Ah, nice, 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 nice. Oh that's wow, that's a bathroom. <laughs> ah. Oh wow, that's impressive. Good for you. But but the thing about uh the thing about the streamyard is it's kind of sets it up like a studio, so I enjoy that. But if I'm going out, I got to get a camera. I got to bring lights. I've got to bring loads yeah. of different things. But it's better to sit down, I think, and talk with someone in person. But this the way this has panned out over lockdown it's fine as well because i'll be talking to a lot of people that yeah. are not in the country like yourself so either way it's yeah, good for me if you've got a lot of money and a lot of pull like joe rogan it's great to have a studio that people come to but yeah it's hard to in, in practicality to do that and if you're driving to people as well i found that you know on your days off it can become a bit of an effort you know when you're tired to to sort of do that but it is yeah an in-person conversation i suppose is, it's got a different quality to it and that's what we try and do with attic box audio is is in-person conversations but it's all there on um drapermedia.co.uk and hoping to sort of put more useful things up there as well because something on the, on the nature of this conversation about how I got into the media you get a lot of requests from people some people try to get jobs at Sky Sports directly and you're like well I'm not really I'm not a gatekeeper at Sky I don't I'm not an HR I can't appoint people but it's so the world we live in isn't it LinkedIn and stuff's quite interesting now people just DM you and say you know do you can I can I get a job and you're like well I'm not I'm not hiring but you know here's the website you can apply at um, but yeah, th I'm thinking of putting more stuff on Draper Media just about how I got into the, the line of work. Cause it's not like being a doctor. It's a bit, you know, some, some of you need luck, you need kind of hard work, you need practice, you need, but it's, it's more of an intangible thing, I suppose, than being a doctor or a lawyer where you go to a, a specific school for a certain amount of time and get a qualification and then all being well, you're going to get a job off the back of it. Working in the media is kind of vaguer than that. And it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's just like, uh, getting as much practice as you can, trying to get as good as you can, and then knocking on as many doors as you can. Yeah, it's all about opening doors. And like I always say, like even like I'm only, I, I'm not really in the media. I guess I'm, I'm doing this, like, so it's very small. But uh, yeah. I find that every person you kind of talk to knows someone and it kind of opens another door, I find, in the media. like, And then the circle starts to become smaller. Oh, I was talking to this guy. Oh, well, I know him as well. You know, like some of my guests would have, known each other but i didn't know that they know each other like it's just a small world as well <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah i think you like say it's reaching out and communicating with people and uh, that's the, the modern world isn't it i think it's some, for some of us it's just it's just kind of not being overloaded with the communication is the is the key but 
I think definitely you have to you have to practice as a would be journalist or presenter. You have to practice your skill set. And you know, when I was younger, you couldn't. You know, you talked about cameras and stuff, but now you can film yourself present pretending to present on your phone. You can get yeah. feedback on that. You can review it yourself. You can practice. You can do pretend commentaries on your phone or your laptop. And it was not possible, you know, even 15 years ago, really, you had to get expensive equipment. Whereas, so I think it's a lot more open now. And as you say, you can start your own platform um, on YouTube or, or, or the myriad of, of different different platforms. So there's a lot more opportunity in a, in a sense, I think, out there. You're not reliant on one or two jobs necessarily. But then when you, like you said, when you have that, it's then about marketing, isn't it? If it's your own platform, it's how you get, get attention and eyeballs on it because... I mean, I think someone said there's like 2 million podcasts out there or something like that. Wow. So it's, it's huge. Yeah. I was talking to someone about this last night. It's like the next door neighbor has a podcast. The next door neighbor's dog has a podcast. I was talking yeah. to a fellow last night about how you try and get guests because these people like they're getting like thousands of emails every day. Like, so you just have yeah. to try and either catch a person at the right time or stand out from the crowd. Yeah, it'll be persistent, isn't it? I remember even getting work as, as a start-off reporter. I remember contacting the editor at BBC London, actually, and emailed him a couple of times. It was like, get back in the summer. So like four or five months later, you email back, and eventually you get those opportunities. And it's it's just sort of making notes and being consistent. It's that fine balance between being keen and, and not hassling people, isn't it? And it's a, yeah. it's a sensitive one. I mean, I'm lucky that I've met a lot of sports people who will do me favours throughout, throughout work. I tend to sort of, if someone's after a while doesn't sort of commit i just sort of leave it a little bit it's that it's that it's that challenge isn't it i think and um yeah. it's but it's but you get i mean i think podcasting you probably agree but i think speaking to people hopefully for the viewers listeners it's it's valuable but i think it's a, enjoyable to to just chat to people and, and get insight i find yeah absolutely ed it was an absolute pleasure to catch up with you today man thanks so much all right thank you appreciate it good luck with the, the pod thanks very much man Yeah, interesting conversation. Enjoyed that with Morris Shortall. He's got a, right, a wide range of, of guests he's had on the Cheap Heat podcast. A lot of WWE wrestling people from the 90s and, and 80s, I believe. So, it's, And it's that approach, I suppose, to, to building a podcast. As he says, 2 million people, I think, worldwide. And every person next door neighbor has, has a podcast. The dog has a podcast, I think, were his, his words there. So it's an interesting experience, but you're relying on people to come on and have conversations. And I might lean my podcast as well more towards regular guests who who live local to me or can at least get to me or I can get to them because I think there's something about that in-person communication. But clearly he's been able to speak to people across the world from his home in Dublin, I believe. So fantastic opportunity that technology gives us. But I think for me, it's great to have that extra boost of, of in-person communication, particularly in a world where we are so digitally oriented, so dependent on screens for uh, so much of the time. I'm not sure it gives us that kind of nourishment that we get get from an in-person conversation, kind of boost energy, particularly if an extrovert, which, which I am. Anyway, I hope you like the podcast. Please rate it on iTunes, whatever platform you're listening on, Spotify, or I think 12 or 13 platforms it's now available on Housed on, on Anchor. So thank you for, for that if you if you do, or just tell a friend if you like it. That'd be fantastic. Thank you as ever to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Check out Bang Olufsen Cheltenham online and Serena V, as I say, can source you whatever suits your vision of your budget for your home entertainment needs. 
And also, uh, thank you, or, or just a reminder, actually, thank you, because it's our company, Attic Box Audio. If you'd like to check it out, if you're interested in documenting a loved one's life story for future generations, getting all the stuff about school, where they grew up, life lessons. I love those conversations with members of the public. Every story is meaningful. Every life story has lots of lessons and lots of color to it. And I've enjoyed doing them. But if you want to find out more about that service that we're offering through Attic Box Audio, go to atticboxaudio.co. Hope you have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the podcast and goodbye for now.